Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Good to see y'all this morning. Good to be in his house. I think as we grow older and we go through life, I think, uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I think we appreciate our church family more and more, I believe, and I'm thankful for you all. Good to be here. I'm going to read verses 12 through 14 this morning. It says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were coming in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotus and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And this, um, this time, you know, I think sometimes goes without saying, I think I, I repeat myself a lot when I say sometimes we just read verses, but anyway, um, when we look at these verses this morning, I mean, this time when these people were gathered together, it says that they were gathered together, and I think it's verse 13 says they were gathered together, I'm sorry, 14, they were gathered together with one accord in prayer and supplication, and I think it's important for us to kind of want to talk about that a little bit this morning. You know, they were gathered together in prayer and supplication. And when it says supplication, that means earnest prayer. I mean, there was a, there was a desire there at that time to really, focus on, to really focus on what the things that had just happened, I would think. I mean, I don't know for sure what they were focused on, but no doubt they were focused on Jesus. There's no doubt about that. And, um, and the worship of the Lord, and they were very, they were very focused on that. And, but also, I think, for us to understand, when you, we read these verses, and even the, ones, the next ones that we're going to read, is this time, it's very unique, and it'll never happen again. And the reason I say that is because, Sal, Judas, is, you mean Judas Iscariot, you mean? Or, yeah, no, yeah, he's, yeah, Judas Iscariot is now, is, is gone, he's, he's died at this point. So yeah, this is the other, this is the other Judas, yes. Or James, I'm sorry. Um, so this time, when we look at this, it's, it's, it's very unique. And, and the reason I say that, it's not just because of who was there, but it's the time frame. And, and what I mean by that is, it'll never happen again because Jesus had just ascended and the Holy Spirit had not yet come. And I kind of thought about that a little bit this morning. I mean, I, I read and studied, of course, but I was going back through and reading this morning and I just thought, what was, what was that time period like? Because you think... What, what it's going to be like here once the church is called out and the Holy Spirit is gone. I just wondered, you know, at that time, even though, you know, all the, all the hatred that was there for Jesus when they, when they crucified him, and I know he, he showed himself and he, and he ascended, but this Holy Spirit wasn't, wasn't yet present. And I wondered just what type of an environment... You know, it says they were in an upper room and closed up. They may have been fearing for their lives. They may have been praying for safety. I don't know. But, I mean, you just think there was no Holy Spirit there. I mean, and, and, there, and Jesus was not there. It's just a very unique time. And, um, but now, thank goodness, well, I'm glad that we've got the Holy Spirit. 
I wouldn't want to, I mean, I don't think that, I wouldn't want to live in a time, well, I mean, I, I don't think, we don't have that, okay? Like I said, this was a very unique, very unique, special time. And now we have the Holy Spirit. And when we think about supplication, you know, I've, I've thought about that a lot. And uh, the earnest requests, and uh, requests that are for the glory of God, requests that are for His presence, for His power to be displayed, for us to be in His will, for His guidance. I mean, to me, those are the kind of prayers that we pray, I, I think, I mean, you know, and other things, but those are just things that kind of came to my mind that when we, we think about supplication, to me, those are the things that we're trying to pray for that truly have a desire. I mean, again, His power, His guidance, His presence. I mean, and not only for that, but for each other. You know, to me, when we, when we think about praying for, with supplication, we're, we're wanting to pray to lift each other up. I mean, to, to draw close to the Lord, for all of us to draw close to Him. And, and um, I think that's what, that's, that's important. I mean, I can't, I don't think there's any way to stress that enough. And, and how important, how important prayer is. And, uh, you know, I felt some prayers these last few weeks, I can tell you that. And I know they work. I know they work. You know, I, I can't explain how they work, but I know they work. You know, and, uh, and I know that his Holy Spirit is real. I know his power is real. I know his comfort's real. I know his strength's real. And I know his presence is real. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, I think we do. I think we need, to, we need to pray for ourselves for him to guide us through the day, right? I mean, for him to, to lead us, to help us to, if nothing else, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't care to tell you. I pray. I try to pray every day that he'll, that he'll help me to be whatever it is he wants me to be for that day. I mean, to, and, and to witness whatever opportunity I might have to witness for him. I mean, whether that's talking to somebody or just being present with somebody or just whatever. Strength, that's right. Guidance, right. Right, yep, same here. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we do. We do. And I think we need his guidance these days more than ever. I mean, I just think there's so many, there's so many, I don't know, I don't know if obstructions is the right word, but there's so many, so many hurdles and so many things that um, we each one deal with every day. And I mean, I just think, and it's, and it's only going to get more intense. I mean, I hate to tell you, it's only going to get more intense, but we need him. We, we need his guidance. We need his presence. We need his help every day. And I know he's with us, but I tell you what, I think it does us good to still ask him, you know, to still ask him. I think it does us good. So, um, Ephesians chapter 6, familiar verses, very familiar verses, but I'm going to read a couple. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17, I'll start with verse 17. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Should we not be praying like that every day? I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, should we not be praying like that every day with, with, with some 
with a focus and praying for each other. And then in verse 19, praying that we'll be bold. However, whatever that means for all of us. I mean, that means something different for each and every one of us, but that we will witness for him and, and, and speak his word to someone or however that means or live in front of them, whatever it means, to, so that somebody can see the Lord or can see the presence of, uh, for their attention to be somehow shifted. Somebody that's lost or maybe somebody's struggling even, a brother or sister in Christ that's struggling, that they can see the Lord or, and see something in us that would be a help to somebody. And, um, but, you know, I thought those verses, I mean, I thought about prayer, I thought about praise, and I thought about giving glory to our Lord and Savior. I mean, so many times, you know, I pray, but I have to catch myself, and I have to make sure that I stop before I start saying, Lord, please this, please that, or, or help me with this, or help me with that. i got to stop myself a lot of times and say, thank you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the privilege to even come to you in prayer. You know, I mean, I think about that often. I think, you know, I just take it for granted so many times. But thank you for his presence. You know, thank you for your presence. But but what? what? I'm sorry. <laughs> you figured that out a long time ago, didn't you, Doug? <laughs> so, so I thought about that, and, and, and when we think about, you know, lift up our brothers and sisters to the Lord that will serve him as he desires us to. I mean, lift up the church of Jesus Christ that his power, his presence will guide his people to spread the gospel. I mean, I mean, to me, that's what Paul's telling us that we need to be praying for. And um, just like these folks that were gathered together at that time, the disciples, I mean, the apostles, the disciples, whoever, who all was there, and just like those that were gathered in Jerusalem at that specific time, I mean, I think we need to be personally. I mean, this, it's a personal thing. You know, I mean, I, I realize more and more it's a personal thing. You know, it doesn't really matter what everybody else is doing or, you know, what everybody else has been called to do or what everybody else is being led to do by the Lord. I mean, it doesn't really, I mean, it matters. Don't get me wrong, but what matters most is that I'm doing what he wants me to do and that I'm living the way he wants me to live. And, I th- you know, when I say personally, personally devoted to God's word in private. But we also need to be devoted to his house, to his church, and to his people so that he's lifted up and people are strengthened in the church to do God's work. I mean, to me, that's, to me that, when you look at these three verses, that's kind of, in a nutshell, what Paul is telling us there. He's saying, pray, pray earnestly, pray often. Maybe he didn't say pray often, but I think we can read that in there. He's saying, pray for each other. And he's saying, pray that the gospel will be spread. I mean, I think that's what he's, I think that's what he's saying. I don't know. Y'all may disagree with me, but, and I think that's what we need to, we need to be focused on. So, anybody have a comment? I mean, very simple. Why do we pray? I mean, it's pretty simple. I'm, I'm not trying to do a trick question here. It's pretty simple. Right? I mean, this is, I just kind of thought about this. We pray. Why? 
so we can talk to our Lord, right? So, I mean, how can we possibly get guidance or direction from someone if we never talk to them? I mean, you know, this, I mean, it's very, it's pretty simple, right? And we can't grow, we can't nurture a relationship if we don't talk with someone. So, it works the same way with the Lord, so... funny you said that I thought about that yesterday I, th- I thought you know even though even though he already knows he knows everything but he still wants us to come yeah that's right that's right and you know he does because we've all felt him he answers you know what I mean he answers in different ways but we, we feel him when he answers so All right, I'm going to read verses 15 through 20. It says, And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together was about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, Akeldama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. In verses 16 and 17, when we look at these, it says in the beginning of verse 17, it says, for he was numbered with us. And you think about that. I mean, you think about these men. Judas was with them. And and I think that's important that we think about that. He said he was numbered with us. Peter says he was one of us. I mean, that's what he's telling those folks. He was one of us. And... uh, and then, he's, and then in verse 16, it says, it references the words of David. And that psalm is Psalm 41. You know, and I went back and I looked at Psalm 41, and it's, it's, it's short. There's only 13 verses in Psalm 41. But in those, in those verses, David shares with us the never-ending mercy and care that God has for those who love him and seek after his word. I don't know about you all, but that's, I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that if we're looking to live for him and we're looking to, to do what he wants, that he's got love and mercy that never ends, that he gives to us. I'm thankful for that this morning. And he, and he, but he goes on, David goes on, there's always, the, there's always the other side, right? There's always the good, but there's always the bad. Enemies had risen up against David. I'm going to flip back there. I'm going to, I'm going to read this one verse. Because of Psalm 41, verse 9. And he says here, and again he's talking about his enemies that have risen up against him. In verse 9 he tells us even a dear friend had, had risen up against David. And it says here in verse 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. I mean, you think... You think how the book of Psalms was written 
I don't know, thousands of years ago? I mean, even before Christ, right? I mean, and you think all of this prophecy, I mean, look at the detail in that verse that was written, what, it, what was quoted there. And when you move forward, if you go forward to John 13, 18, I think I got my verse right. Let me flip over here for a minute. John chapter 13, verse 18, I think it is. The very words that Jesus spoke when he was prepared, when he was, they were getting ready to come to seize him. And he says in verse 18, he says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. I mean, that's what Peter was referencing. That's what Peter was talking about. I don't know if he... If he remembered that, or if, the, if God put that on his memory, it doesn't matter. He remember, I think he probably remembered what the Lord had said. And, you know, that when we look at this, let me find my spot here. When we look at, at these verses, he's saying the Scripture's been, to this point, the Scripture's been fulfilled. You know, and, and, and I don't know about you all, but when I read these, and we know that God's Word's true. We know it's His it's Word, it's, it's His truth. It is the truth. But just to read these verses and, and read these accounts and what's documented for us, I mean, these things that have been fulfilled, I mean, that's just more confirmation and more for us. To, to me, that ought to strengthen us because everything that he said in the past, all these things, the detail here, the detail of what was said thousands of years before, it was, it was carried out, it happened exactly like God said it would, exactly like he said it would. Because he's the one that's in control. You know, there's a lot of things I don't understand. A lot of things I don't understand. There's a lot of things I'll never understand. Never. And, uh, but I know he's in control. And I know he's got a purpose for everything. And I know his word is true. And if his word says, you can trust me, I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. And if he says, I'll never leave you or I'll never forsake you, I know he won't. I know he won't, and he never will. You know why? Because he can't. Because he's perfect. I'm sorry, Blanche. It was, I'm sorry, it was uh, John chapter 13, 13, verse 18. So, Peter says these things, and then in, in verses 18 through 20, I'm back over in Acts chapter 1. To me, verses 18 through 20 is a summary of the demise, which is sad, of Judas Iscariot. And I think the details here that Luke gives us, they're kind of they're rough, a little rough around the edges when you read it, but it's documented for us, and then again, there's a purpose. You know, there's a purpose for everything in God's Word. Just like there's a purpose for everything... In our lives, there's a purpose. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what that purpose is, but I can tell you right now, his word says there's a purpose. There's a purpose in everything. And here, I'm sorry, in this detail, when we read about Judas, I mean, it's a tragic and it's a sorrowful end to his life. A sorrowful end. In the beginning of verse 18, it tells us what caused his life to end the way it did? At least this is, my, this is my, the way I feel. Because it says right here in verse 18, this man purchased a field 
And this is, the, this is the, to me, this is the key with the reward of iniquity. You know, and I think when we think about that and, and, we, and we read that, I mean, we know iniquity means unrighteousness, injustice. It's a deviation from what's right. I mean, iniquity is. It's, uh, it's, it's from the right way, a deviation from the right way. It's a sin. It's wickedness. I mean, I don't know, any kind of terrible negative word you can think of, that's what iniquity is. It's sin. And he gained the reward of iniquity, which is not what, it's not a reward that any of anybody, we want to see anybody, those that are lost, we don't want to see them gain that reward. We want to see them be saved, right? But when you think about this, um, Judas chose to reject Almighty God. This is my thought. Now, y'all, y'all can chime in if you disagree with me, but to me, hmm? that, that, that's right, that's right. He chose to reject Almighty God. He chose to reject Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And to me, because of that, he died in iniquity. He died in sin. I mean, I think that's what, I think that's what the Bible's telling us here. So I thought about those today who are rejecting Almighty God and rejecting Jesus Christ and his offer of salvation. And rather than accepting God's grace, they're continuing down the path of death and the impending reward of iniquity that they don't know that they're living for, but that's what's going to be their reward at the end if they don't, if they don't give their lives over to the Lord, if they don't, if they don't seek, him, seek him out to be their Savior. And I thought how we need, how I need, how we need to pray and witness that people will open their minds and their hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only thing that's going to save them from that. That's the only thing that's going to save them from that reward of iniquity at the end of their lives. And verse 20 states, if you look here, it says that, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. And, you know, there's, there's a state that there will be desolation and his office will be lost. That's what it means. He had an opportunity. He had a, he had a position. God had a position for him to fulfill, and he chose to reject it. He chose to reject it. And, you know, God Almighty, I believe, well, I know he does. He has an office of service for every single person that's alive right now, I believe. I mean, I believe that, Josh. I believe, I mean, I believe that. He's got, a, he's got an office for every single person that's alive today. You say, well, what is it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it can be multiple things. But what I mean by that is he's got a purpose. He's got a place for every single one of them. Already, already, he knows exactly. And he's just waiting on those that are lost to accept his son so that he can bring them in and they can fill that spot that he's got already made for them. And he's got an office of service for every person alive today and he, got, and he has unending blessings that he wants to give. I mean, you think, I mean, I don't know about you all, but I mean, think about that. I mean, we serve a God who's, who's gracious. We serve a God that's, that is love. He is love and he's... He's everything we need, and I'm glad for that this morning, but he's, 
he's got this, all this planned out. And it all just hinges on one thing. To those who will accept and not reject his son. And unfortunately, when we read these verses, like I said before, Judas chose, rather than to accept, he chose to reject. And his reward was just like the Bible says. It was, it was a sad demise. So... I mean, is that not sad? I mean, is that not sad? I mean, you, I mean, he, he, had, he was with them. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And just like Peter said, I mean, I can't remember, what did, he, what did he say back here? And let me find it here. He said he was one of us. That's what I was looking for. He was one of us. I think it was Peter that even, didn't he, uh, when Jesus was getting ready, I'm, I'm going to finish, I'm going to stop there. But I think when, uh, at the Last Supper, if I'm not mistaken, I think I went back and read, and, and Peter, when Jesus spoke and said, Somebody, one's going to betray me, said Peter looked to John. Can you, I, can just, I can just see Peter looked to John and said, Ask him who it is. And Jesus he answered the question. He told him who it was. They probably, maybe they didn't get it right then and there, but he told them who it was, if I remember correctly. You can go back and check me. So. I'm going to stop there. I hope I hope we got a little something out of the lesson this morning.